Live. Welcome back. Episode two, Joe. We are back live here on the Rafino and Joe show. I am one half of your co-host, Blake Rafino, and I got a guy next to me who got mistaken in the bar last night for somebody he probably doesn't want to be mistaken for. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. I completely forgot that that happened, dude. That <laughs> ruined my night. Standing in line for the bathroom in this horrible, horrible girl. Like you kind of look like Jeffrey Dahmer and like was so drunk. Oh my God. And I was like, and I just like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want this tonight. And and she like kept like berating me about this. And I'm like, can you leave me was alone? She not? No, she was uh, okay. well, she, she was playing offensive line at some schools. <laughs> 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 but that absolutely ruined my night. I like I get the joke thing, and like it, I've heard it enough times, and it's been brought up enough times randomly. And one of my coworkers, even we were out at a bar, told a bunch of people to come up to me and say that to me, and it was funny for a little bit. But I, we're in 2023 now. I'm past that. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm getting a damn haircut. New New Year, same me or New Year, new me. So yeah. what, what are we trying to go with here? On new, our, on new, our... new me, I guess. Okay. I mean, no, I don't think you need to change who you are. I just think you need to be a little bit more haircut. Certain. Well, I think you just need to tell people I'll slap the shit out of you. I mean, that's I what I think. to a girl at the bar, though. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I mean, well, I you mean, are in Cali. Yeah. Well, you are in Cali. Yeah. I, well, and don't hit a woman. Don't hit a woman. All right. Exactly. So we do got a lot to talk about. Joe, I will admit, when I'm wrong, uh, I was wrong on one game, not the not the second one. Um, TCU takes down the Wolverine. Could, did you know a horn frog could kill a Wolverine? Well, they did defensively. We'll talk mm. about that one in this recap. Also, Ohio State is a field goal away from tying it and going into overtime as the clock struck 12 o'clock in the new year. New year, same Ohio State, I guess. New year, <laughs> new year same Ohio State. We'll touch on that one. We got some bowl games that are still left to be played. I'm sure we'll touch on that as well. TCU, I mean TCU, USC and Tulane. Square off tomorrow along with LSU, Purdue, and others. We'll touch on that. And, Joe, at the end, don't let me forget this. I do want to do a little preview with you into 2023. We forgot to do that on episode one. Yeah. A lot of teams making portal moves. As Fintrell Cypress, the elite DB from Virginia, goes to Florida State today. Wow. They are making some very serious moves in the portal. Let's do a little preview to end out the show. So, I guess – to start this off, Joe, let's talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. I forgot to do the stupid commercial. New Year, same me, but go over to our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Use the promo code Believe Fifty at checkout to get a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's BetOnline.ag. Everybody, do us a favor as well. Hit the like and share. So many of you listening so live right now on Facebook. Stop collaborating. Listen. Hit the like and share. Share to all those groups and social media pages. Yes, sir. YouTube, Joe, I have made an announcement. I will give two people $100. So two people $100 a piece if we get to 1,000 subscribers by tomorrow. Now, we got a long way to go, but... Yeah, I think we're at we're like, close to 150. I think we're pushing 150. So okay, we got a lot okay. of ground to cover. But if if uh, if people want to be, we're at 123. So if people want to participate in this, send yeah, it to but, your friends, tell them to subscribe, and, and then we can make some traction here. I can't do like our our friends over at Run Your Pool and give a thousand dollars away, but nevertheless, you know I, I'm I'm trying my best. <laughs> but subscribe, <laughs> hit the notification bell. We appreciate. It. All right. Joe, let's kick it off on this episode, too. I'll give you the floor. 
Uh, TCU takes down the Horn Frogs. We do have it backstage. Pooh Bear's got the stats up if you need them. As we well. have been on this show so many weeks, Blake. So many weeks, and all you've done is clown on the Horn Frogs. The disrespect on a weekly basis for the Horn Frogs, and they showed up in a big way. Like I, I know that we both picked Michigan. I know that we both picked Michigan. We both thought it was going to be lopsided, but. TCU proved a lot of people wrong yesterday, the way that they played. They came out swinging. They came out with a, a a tone and aggressiveness that I don't think either of us were used to or expecting for them to play with. And they played exactly how I talked about on the preview show. They forced J.J. to beat him, and he made a lot of big plays. He made a lot of huge throws that kept them in the game and put points on the board. But the mistakes that were forced – by TCU and the, the two pick sixes that they got were so huge for the outcome of this game. I'm I'm excited because I, I I like having teams like this, an unexpected underdog team instead of the favorite winning the game. It's a fun storyline and it gets to continue. Uh, but it was so fun to watch that game. So I agree. So let me admit when I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do I did not, and still to some extent, small extent. Don't buy into TCU, but at this point and this juncture, okay, and all, because look, Joe, what we've done, you and I, is we've previewed games. This will be the first time that me and you could sit back and recap games, okay? Right. I get really serious on recaps. If you haven't noticed, I think that you shared my uh, Alabama LSU rant, you know, not so many weeks ago, so you know how serious I get. So let's talk about it. I was wrong, and I will admit where I'm wrong. However, the funny thing to me, and everybody's talking about J.J. McCarthy. He did throw two pick sixes that won TCU the game. Let's not let's not deny that. But I'm going to pull this up, and our producer, Pooh Bear, has it. We have both games. Joe, look at this on the right, and everybody listening to us on the podcast, XM Radio, whatever. I'll just read this out to you. Michigan's offense dominated TCU, though, okay, in a sense. Mm-hmm. 25 first downs. Now, what got them beat and what normally gets you beat is TCU, I mean, Michigan went 3 of 13 on third downs, 0 of 2 on fourth downs. However, Michigan outgained, outpassed, damn near closely outran, okay, TCU in this game. The turnovers are always going to win you games. Always going to win you games. Absolutely. TCU accomplished that they got four, 13 points off of two pick sixes that really turned the game but Michigan's defense is to me the topic of conversation here TCU literally ran the ball for 263 yards they absolutely you know Joe we talked about in the preview that Michigan was going to be able to control the line of scrimmage boy were I, were we wrong okay it was on the both opposite. sides too. On both sides too. I was I was so <clears throat> taken back by a three three five defense dominating the run the way that it did. Joe, they literally, if it was a play action, the entire box was coming. They did not care if JJ McCarthy was going to throw for a first down. They made JJ try to beat him. Well, they were just physical on both lines of scrimmage. But the Michigan defense. To me, when you have, um, I forget the number three's name, but I remember his first name was Amari. He had like 150 yards on 17 carries. 
He had the big 69-yard run. The Michigan defense was, let's call it what it is, ass. They were so bad yesterday. They it, it I don't really want to blame Michigan's offense to some extent, even though the pick sixes, because at some point, mm-hmm. at some point, you got to stop them from running for damn near 300 yards down your throat. And I think the other thing too, the run, the running, the rushing yards that they gave up is is abysmal. It's it's terrible that that was the performance that they put up. But they were on their heels the, the entire whole, night. the whole game, right. and it wasn't just the the consistent yards per carry clip that they were able to string together. They had a ton of splash plays, a lot of big splash plays, and that's the one thing you can't allow to TCU. That was what Kansas State was able to do and why they were able to beat them is because they neutralized that. They did not mm-hmm. give up those massive plays. But there was uh, inconsistency with tackling. There was inconsistency with, uh, with, with gap integrity. There were a lot of issues that, that showed up in this game. And I think the perfect, perfect example is that play that Quinton Johnson had where it was a simple – I think it was like an out you're route. About the, well, it was just, you're talking about the little shallow cross that he took to the house? The same yeah. yeah, and he broke a tackle smaller. and he was gone. Like that's right. the capability that they have. So if they don't tackle and they make those mistakes, that was what I think the the, the biggest concern there is the lack right. of tackling, the lack of intensity. They they looked like the big thing for me overall, and the defense definitely looked like this. That they were already looking ahead. They were already looking at Georgia. They thought that they could take this team for granted, and TCU came out swinging. And as much as we can sit here and identify, like we did on the preview. We tried to identify all of the advantages that Michigan had over TCU. I think you can check every box and say that they are a a more talented team at probably every single position group. The one thing that we didn't account for is the juice that this team has, the magic that's behind them. I know luck is a a key important thing, but they showed up with an intensity that and a confidence that they were going to win that football game, and it showed up on every single play. I agree with you. That's something we didn't talk about. In reference to, you know, I I guess we didn't talk about it because if you're Michigan, bud, you're in the playoff. Like, how in the world can you look ahead of anybody? I mean, I know that I've taken a Rudy Poo all over TCU all year, but I'm not on Michigan's team. Like, you, what are you doing? And and let's not, again, you know, uh, I I see a lot of people, Joe, blaming Harbaugh's game plan, offensive game plan. I'll be honest. I don't think the game plan was ass. You can't score that many points and say that the game plan was bad. Because I look over at Michigan. like So I rewatched the game today. Donovan Edwards had 23 carries, 120 yards, 5 yards per carry. Now, were they too cute in the red zone? Yeah. yeah. Now, you can make that. But again, you got to make stops. Like, you had to make stops. Like, Everybody looks at Harbaugh's like, oh, it's his fault. Yeah, it is his fault. He's the head coach. But defensively, it's their fault. They got, they just gave up. And they just did not bring the intensity, the heat, nothing. Now, I don't know if this translates for TCU to Georgia. But let me tell you what it does translate to. The Big Ten's got to get – or Mich- not Big Ten – Michigan's got to get weapons on the outside, Joe, that are are more explosive. Mm. I did not realize. Now, maybe this is because I just don't focus on the Big Ten as much at times. They, it surprised me their lack of weapons on the outside. TCU, let's call it what it is. 
out-athleted them. And it, so that was where the, the one advantage that they have is they were not as physical up front all year in their offensive line, their defensive line wasn't going to match up well. But to your point, they have so many athletes at receiver and so many different guys that can pick up these huge chunk yards. And that's what they've leaned on the whole year. I don't know why, but I have like this, this weird uh, sense that Michigan's kind of built like a Clemson team, like the, the current Clemson teams where that really game get- was identical to way, the way that Clemson couldn't score against Tennessee. Yeah. Tell me that Michigan, it didn't feel, you didn't feel the same way. I, I just felt like when they needed a big catch, I didn't, I didn't know who they were going to go to. Like, I don't know Ronnie Bell. Like, I just don't know what major explosive options they had. I damn well knew who they were going to when, when TCU needed a first down, they're going to Quentin Johnson or they were mm-hmm. telling that Max was making plays with his legs. They were going to their stars, but I just, outside of Donovan Edwards and you, you, you completely lost Blake Corn because of the injury, they don't have a, a big splashy athlete like you're talking about. And it feels weird. And it's a, it's a massive disadvantage for them. They need to, restructure that approach well and i text i texted you this during the game and i thought max duggan was off throwing the football he looked yeah. hurt to me he didn't have it tcu didn't have another receiver outside of quentin johnson that had 40 yards receiving in the entire game but regardless they were balanced i mean he was almost damn near 50 percent completion he also had two interceptions so what's crazy is they just found ways, and you know what the crazy part of it is? You know, from an LSU perspective, LSU fan perspective, as we do that show as well, what's funny about that is when you watch a Max Duggan or a C.J. Stroud and people say, well, Jaden Daniels is ass, or quarterbacks that run are ass, <laughs> Max Duggan and C.J. Stroud showed you that you can either be very close to beating a really good team with your legs or you can win football games by advancing, uh, advancing the foot or staying in front of the sticks on third down. Joe, the biggest thing to me, mm-hmm. Michigan could not stay on the field where they at times couldn't get TCU off of the field. The three things that I look at every single time after a game, no matter what I'm doing, I look at how many first downs you had, I look at turnovers, and then I look at third down completion. The two things Michigan lost are they lost two of those three things. Those are the, the the key statistics and always will be the key statistics that get you beat. Now, we'll talk about these games and we'll talk about and preview TCU and Georgia. But the last part about me on this, yeah. did you think that was a catch for Michigan in the first half where they were down at the one-yard line? Because uh, th- I, w- I will tell you this. I don't – let me tell you what I don't know anymore. I don't mm-hmm. know what a catch is. I don't know what a touchdown is. I don't know what targeting is anymore because at the end of the game, at the end of the game too, that's targeting. Okay, that is. Wait, I'm trying to remember. With, I'm trying to remember the play. I don't know why I'm. Remember when McCarthy fumbled the football at the last play of the game? McCarthy fumbled the football, and some and, and Donovan Edwards picked the ball up and threw it to the tight end, and he was going down, and the TCU receiver hit him in the back of the head, like launched. Came off his. Oh, oh! And- I, I don't know why I'm like. I can only remember. There were so many targeting calls. Well, you drank too much last night. That's not. That's not. I didn't. I actually didn't drink that much. But the. I. I am. I keep remembering the, the Georgia Ohio State one. But there were so many targeting oh, calls that, that kept kept teams into games. But um, going back to the catch though, it's too close to really tell. And I think that either way, it is. 
There's no way you could have there, overturned there, it. There is no there's no correct or incorrect answer in the situ situation, I believe. But because you're you're supposed to come into those situations where there needs to be un indisputable evidence to overturn it, there wasn't. So it should right. have been a touchdown. That's what the problem was. If we were just watching it and making a decision, I can't tell you if it was a catch or not. I have I don't I don't know. It was so close. Him, his possession of the ball, where his butt was, it's so close by inches that you can't make a decisive decision, which to that point, it, it, there's not indisputable evidence. However, I think that Michigan fans can't lean on this. I think that's ridiculous to lean on this and say, oh, that cost us the game. You had plenty of opportunities elsewhere to make plays and keep them from scoring 51 points. You also threw two pick sixes and you had a fumble the following play which you're not like you need to hold on to the football in goal to go situations. That is a crucial mistake, regardless of it, if it's a gimme or not. It's not like TCU was just handed the ball after that no call touchdown. It's not like the refs just said, here, TCU, take the football. You made that mistake. You made multiple mistakes in the game. So I, I don't want to hear that as a crutch at all. I don't know if Harbaugh is worried about or thinking about sonic blast or fullback blast, but regardless, it's stupid to think about either one of them during the game. Joe, they ran a fullback blast from the on the two inch line. They fumbled the football. I, a I don't, fullback blast, fullback twenty three dive. I what can't idiotic call. And that and the the stupid end around that they ran also. I well, just the end around got him a touchdown though. No, the one in the beginning of the game oh, on that first oh, drive, I, and like well, that was crazy. a momentum no, shift. Right back to it later in the game and scored. Well, because they probably didn't think they'd be stupid <laughs> enough to run it twice. <laughs> that's probably why. But I just think that that's another underlying factor here is that there were in the instances in very important spots they got way too cute with the decision making. And if you're supposed to show up and be the more talented, more physical, better team in this situation that belonged there and TCU didn't belong there and all the, the, the storylines that came into this. Why are you diverting from what has given you success? I just don't get why they, there were all these gimmick plays that were, were thrown in there throughout this game. Yeah. You, I, it felt like Michigan was trying to beat Georgia versus playing TCU. What do I mean by yes. that? When you play a team like Georgia, you got to do goofy things to, to get things rolling. Right. And TCU's probably going to do that next week. And they're going to do that next week. Okay, like, let's call it what it is. A week ago, week from what, tomorrow or whenever it is, they're going to do they're gonna do that. I don't know why they kept getting fancy and cute. I, t I tweeted this out, and, you know, we're a growing new SEC podcast. I don't like – the only cute that I like is EXA. I don't I'm get that reference. You, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you pick up on the only cute I like is Exa. Exa cute. <laughs> that, went, <laughs> that went way over my head. <laughs> I, I get it. But that's the only that's the only <laughs> cute that I like. You know okay. what they didn't do? Execute. No. Oh, see. When when the game was on the line, they did not execute in crunch time. They just didn't. The the as much and you, we did talk about this part. Mm -hmm. As much experience as Michigan had going into this playoff game, and TCU had none. I, I really thought that they would, you know, have a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. You, what is funny though, and I will admit this. Yeah, uh, let me get into TCU and where I was wrong. I got to admit, they're better. They're better athletically than I thought that they were. I don't know if Michigan's slow. 
or if TCU is just a faster team, but you could just tell who the more athletic team was from top to bottom. What's crazy to me, Joe, is this, too. And we'll talk about this during the offseason, but I'm, I'm going to get in a little bit ahead of myself. Now this puts first-year coaches on the uh, a deadline, and now a quicker deadline. Sonny Dykes is year one at TCU, and he's going to a national title. Now coaches are going to have a faster track to have to get there than most because he went all into the portal and got a whole bunch of players and now is playing for a national title. You're going to have a tough time telling teams and telling fan bases that it can't be done. You can look at Lincoln Riley. You can look at Brian Kelly. But the ultimate thing is this is going to change up college football for a lot of coaches because now Sonny Dykes is playing there. I got to give him props for props is due. They're a good football team. I've been ragging on them all year. I still think they're going to have – I still I, – I will wait, I guess, to a preview until we talk about that. Mm-hmm. But I was stunned. I, I'm, I'm just stunned, really, at how good that they played. And it's such an unexpected outcome because, again, everybody – Every show said the same thing. No one picked TCU. No one was picking TCU. But again, the one thing that we didn't account for is that when you have a team that is cohesive and playing together, it was so blatantly obvious which team was more cohesive. It was so obvious which team was rallying behind their guys and together to win that game. There was such a noticeable, palpable difference between these teams in this game. And I think a big reason why they're such a strong unit is because of all the hard games that they've had to fight through to win. They've had to come back and win so many close games. And that to me, I know that like the odds of doing that in every single game and finishing games like that are very low and it's tough. And at some point you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to lose like they did against Kansas state, but it still rallies a group and they stepped up like they've been playing in tough games all year. And frankly, you know what the opposite side of this is? Michigan looked like they they, they haven't been tested at all. They look like mm-hmm. they looked so soft, which is unexpected in certain aspects of the game. But they just looked like they weren't tested. They weren't. They didn't know what to do when they got punched in the mouth that early. And when TCU went up as quickly as that as they did, they did fight back. But you just did kind of see that difference in in how those teams work together. Uh, I will say this too: TCU's DB room is pretty damn good. Now Carlton Buckles who was at Southeastern the year before your boy was there um, from Amy, Louisiana. He's been a lot mm-hmm. of places, played at LSU. D- they did go get a lot of guys that a lot of people in the South looked over, okay? A lot of three-star recruits. But I will tell you something. If Stetson Bennett's going to have an issue with Ohio State and, and Georgia's going to have some relative troubles against Ohio State's DBs, TCU's not a slouch, okay? So we'll get into – we're about to get into this Georgia and Ohio State game, but I will give TCU this. On the back end, they're they're one of the better teams that I've seen. Now, I had not watched them as much as I had been, but I could – you could just tell that they're very explosive, very quick, and very dynamic, and they got a lot of playmakers back there. That's going to be a key to for them – in my opinion, next week or in 10 days. Yeah, so before we do make that transition, I, the final point here with, with TCU and Michigan, we can't lean on the thing that we all said going into the Michigan game ahead of Georgia. 
we can't sit here and say that they're not physical enough because they they heard it's almost as if they heard everyone everywhere saying that every talking head made that statement and they said all right bet watch us watch us go to work watch us show up and watch us smack a team and fly 100 miles an hour like a bat out of hell on every single down and make plays on offensive defense we can't use that anymore going into this game they they might be undersized they might not be as, as strong or as athletic up front as george is going to be but again the juice that they play with the energy that they play with they bring the physicality even though they might not be built to do that wow let me let me just say this because <clears throat> I'm not going to shit on TCU again. <laughs> I, I've taken my. Yeah, you can't make that mistake. <laughs> you can't, can't make, make that mistake, mistake again. Are they Michigan physical or are they Georgia physical? Because there's a there's a big difference. Now, what's funny about this mm-hmm. is Sonny Dyke said some really interesting words about the SEC. Oh, now things get very spicy going into this game. Things get really spicy. And one thing you can't do to an SEC team is start saying the SEC sucks. Because and let me say, let me say this too. Let me say this too. I am never trusting a team from the north in college football ever again. (laughs) I'm not doing it. Uh, I told you that. I told you that the other night. I, I do not trust teams from the north. Joe, you know who's winning college football right now? The South. It is, a I, relative, it is a relative problem. You have two teams from the north, two teams from the south, and both of the teams from the south win. Okay, I'm trying to think. What was the last time a team from the north? Ohio State, 2015. Was a, that was, so that was all the – oh, my God. I can't even provide a counter-argument. We need to get our stuff together. We need to get our stuff together because it's – wait, no, no, no. Wait, uh, no, Clemson's also in the south. Oh, my no, God. No, Clemson, South Carolina – do we our count that as the South? Thank you, Pooh. Uh, our producer, Pooh Bear, says it was 2014. Hell no. Hell no. 2014. Bro, we're almost at 10 years. That's bad. No, you look, you're 100% right. But look, it, it, part of it, though, where the hotbeds for recruiting are, it's in the South, it's in Texas, and it's in Southern California. So you're right. Do there you smell always- what the rock is cooking? What do you mean? It ain't no teams from the West or North winning college national titles. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Look, I don't disagree. I think that we are slowly trending towards that. And But the one thing, though, I mean, the SEC supremacy, though, I mean, it's not as high this year because we've only got one team in the playoff. But regardless, you're 100% right. I can't. I don't want to trust these Northern teams anymore, man. I can't, I can't trust my own team. I can't trust any of these Big Ten teams. I can't lean on any of those guys because apparently they play soft schedules throughout the year. And then when they play the big games, they get their teeth knocked in. The most important game, you know what the most important game was played for the teams in the North? It was Michigan-Ohio State. That was their national championship game. It seems I like these don't matter this. as much. I will tell you this. I think I, I'm pretty sure I told you this, too, during the Ohio State. So we're, as we make this transition, yep. I do feel like I've already watched the national title, and that being Ohio State-Georgia. Like I, I feel like I was watching the national title game in a lot of ways. But maybe that's me. Maybe TCU yeah. can surprise me. Look, we'll we'll see. But the North is going to – look, everybody talks about diversity too, Joe. Now, one thing we hadn't talked about, and we're going to get to this later on, this was easily the best college football semifinals that ever. There was – there to me, this was the best semifinal college football playoff of all time. It wasn't close. Oh, easily. 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 Both of these games could not get me all out of my chair. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. Got to give it to them. 
but everybody talks about diversity in college athletics and college football. Well, I mean, you had I mean, you had a 50-50 shot. Literally had a 50-50 shot of getting one team in the in there. Uh Pooh Bear, our producer, says interesting fact, there have only been three national title winners that weren't from the South, Ohio State in 2014. USA in 2004, and uh, OSU in 2002. Dude, I, I wouldn't count – or actually, no, I guess the wording of that – I mean, USC is still not like a northern team. It's it's a western team. Well, but, he's, well he's – but he said – Yeah, the way that he yeah, phrased it, I was – yeah. Yeah, the, the teams that haven't won it from, that aren't from the south. I mean, Joe, you're talking about – and here's what the bad thing about – Pooh, bring that stat back up. Here's what the bad thing about that is, Joe. It's two teams. It's only and it's, two. The, and it's the same one that's the only it, northern the team same, is the, it's same, the same, same one. Twice. Right. And I mean, it, it, it's literally just the same teams. And the problem with that's going to ultimately be you keep talking about diversity, expanding the playoff. College football is chalky. I mean, but as Oklahoma, it, let me ask this is Oklahoma a South team? I mean, yeah. I mean, they're close enough to Texas. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't count. Wait, yeah. wait, so are you are, Oklahoma? Are, are, I feel like you're indirectly trying to create a counter argument for playoff expansion. Are you? No, I, I'm trying okay. to say you might have to decrease it because again, until a team could, until a team outside of the Southern Hemisphere or Southern East Region or Southern Region can prove that they can win at any kind of a level. Then it's some Joe. Who's beating Georgia? Who's beating Who's beating TCU? It happens every year. I mean, I hate to say it like that. You're not. You're not wrong, but I will say though, I do believe that those two games and how competitive they were, and despite that, it gives, gives you faith now. Well, it gives me. This is separate from the the northern south part. I, the way how competitive those games were, despite everyone saying that they were going to be blowouts on both ends, that it was going to be a Georgia blowout and a Michigan blowout, I do believe that that's proof that we need to expand the playoff, which we are we are like we, we are like doing. I, we are doing that already. There's it's already confirmed, but that's proof that we're going to get more meaningful games. I don't. I'm tired of like we're already slowly trending towards more and more the non-playoff bowl games, guys opting out, and the guys that are playing in the games don't care. I want more meaningful games. I want more games. I like got to be Dude. honest, Joe. This is the first time in 20-something years that I've gone into watching college football bowl games not really giving a shit. Right. I'm like, It's almost like a consolation prize. You're just – like I'm watching the, the Orange Bowl, and I've got it on in the background while I'm making myself dinner. Like I'm not well, really like watching like watching a, it. Well, it's like a thing, too, that you're like – you get to say that you were watching it because you're a sports guy, you know? Right. Like, it's like, do I care about the outcome? No, it's on in the background, and I'm kind of peeking at it. it that's that used to not be the case when I was growing up, and when I was in in high school and middle school, I used to watch all those games intently, and I watched them all really closely. I guess if your team's in it, it's a little bit different. But for a national audience, people just don't care. They don't, including the people on the field, don't care because it's a consolation prize for them. So I, we need more competitive games. It's a glorified scrimmage. Totally. It's a pre. It's an NFL preseason game. It's it's a college all star game, but the the draft prospects don't play in it. <laughs> well, the younger draft prospects do, but it's the yeah. only ones, right? All right, so let's transition to Georgia and Ohio State. But Mister Blank, this I'm acting like I'm you. But Mister Blank, what have I called you, Mister Blank? It was garbage time against LSU and Georgia. 
All right, look, I get, I get it that I, I took my victory lap. I, I, I get, I, you're totally welcome. And to I, I took my L. I'm coming for my W though. All right, that's fair. Well, we're both one for one. <laughs> so, you know what? You know what I was thinking about this morning when I woke up. I, I'm sitting there, you know, feeding a newborn a bottle, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe me and Joe should listen to more of each other because we were both right and we were both wrong. Joe, I disagree. I, I think it's a good if we were agreeing with each other the whole time. Do you imagine how boring the show would be? No, but I need to listen more to you when it's teams not in the South. I think that's, that's what that's what I that's what I believe. That's okay, true. I will say this: Ohio State came out and really took it to Georgia through the air. Now, my key to victory for Ohio State to begin the game is exactly what they did. Like literally, we played the clip, we shared it on YouTube, abandoned the run early, get Marvin Harrison involved. Joe, they did that. They had him, got him two touchdowns uh, in the first half. They were legitimately putting it to Georgia through the air. I thought it was the best game plan that they could have had. They executed that game plan, and they were on their way to win, winning. Two big things to me are, number one, I will go ahead and say this, and we probably should clip this part too. Kirby Smart's timeout call before the fake punt is what makes him elite. Not good, not great, elite. Joe, he knew something was off. He knew he knew that, you know, something didn't feel right. He trusted his coaches, and with an instant, he, he called a timeout. Ohio State would have got a first down on the fake punt. Mm-hmm. And listen, what I don't think people understand about this, too, and Kirby calling that timeout before the fake punt, is you're down by 14, and – you you don't like you know it's a it's a crunch time type of deal. Should I really call a timeout here? Kirby calls a timeout. They have to go ahead and punt. Meaning Ohio State, they would go ahead and score fourteen points. We all know what happens. George wins the game. That's the first thing, and what makes Kirby elite and why they're playing for another national title. Number two, when Marvin, we've talked about this on our before we named it the Rafino and Joe Show. We talked about this on Saturdays. C.J. Stroud is one-dimensional and and gets panicked when Marvin Harrison Jr. is not in the lineup. When he got knocked out, and which was a great hit. Not I'm illegal. People, I'm tired of people saying that it was illegal or dirty. First off, first off, that hit's not dirty. What If they score a touchdown there, they go up by 21. That's a great play on the football. That is what you should coach any of your DBs back of the end zone, even if it's in the middle of the field. Lead with your shoulder, throw yourself into the play, reckless abandonment, knock the ball out. That has been coached since the the beginning of football to do that. If he led with his head, it'd be a different conversation. But like, what else is he supposed to do there? The people who you tweeted perfectly about this, the people who complain about it are the ones who didn't play the game or don't know enough about the game. Correct, and I had people tweet me, Blake, you're just a you're just a dumbass on Twitter, and I'm like, bro, first off, it, well, first off, what's he supposed to do? Stand like, there I, and watch him. Apparently, I guess so. But observe; <laughs> those are the two plays of the game that are the biggest. There's not a bigger call. There, let me tell you something, Joe. In my opinion, there's not a bigger call in the last two playoffs so far to me. Then Kirby Kirby Smart's timeout. None. I agree. If they get that first down, it's over. Okay. Here's going to be the key for TCU and against Georgia. Can they run the ball enough and keep in front of the chains enough 
and hit some of those big plays to get into the end zone and keep this game close. I think that Ohio State was in hyper hyper drive and it came back to bite them in the ass. Georgia played 91 plays defensively. 90. That's insane. insane. 91. And you know what happened? They didn't have a sack until the end of the game. Okay. Did not have a sack. And you told me this, and you I think you tweeted this out too. You said at the at, at when it comes crunch time, Georgia's going to get after CJ Stroud. They did. They they iced a game. I, I was it was the best playoff game that I can remember outside of Georgia and Alabama and the catch by Devonta Smith. So taking us back to the the coaching stuff you're talking about, I, I, this game was way closer than we again we expected. Like both these games, not not Daddy. <laughs> okay, all right. I will admit that you predicted that, but. It ended up being really close, and you would think on paper, not having watched the game, you wouldn't think that Kirby drastically outcoached Ryan Day. You wouldn't think that at all. You would think to yourself, Ryan Day you think, had a. You think Kirby really outcoached Ryan Day. I, I think he outcoached him significantly, especially that that one call is is a is a perfect example. The other thing that I do not understand, I I don't put a ton all the blame on that kicker for missing that kick. To throw the ball, they had to throw it through it two or three times. Yeah, they threw it twice back to back. Twice on that final drive with timeouts in your pocket, and you didn't pick up any yards. I don't understand that decision. That has to be one of the most backwards ass decisions. In it, it has been something that we've seen since the beginning of time and the, the inception of football. Run the ball, get closer, kick the field goal. A 50-yard field goal is supposed to be a kick that is makeable for a Big Ten kicker and a guy that was probably at the top of his class. But it is a high-pressure situation. And you need to put that guy in the highest success rate situation possible. And they did not do that. I I am still dumbfounded, absolutely dumbfounded, that Ryan Day's decision-making was to throw it twice. On top of that, the the risk of an interception on that as well is, which I know he didn't, he didn't make those bad, bad a play. So I'm sure that he was confident in CJ Stroud. I just don't, I don't get it. That was bad coaching, bad decision-making to throw the ball there. I agree with you. I I agree with you. The, the only problem that I, the only reason why I won't get on him too much, Joe, they run the ball for three yards per carry. Okay. Yeah, but okay. So six yards is still six yards closer of a field goal. That that is. They don't true. need the first. Is, they don't need the first true. down. That I don't think true. they would. How? I don't think they would have picked it up. They just it's six yards. Like that. That's it goes from a a fifty yarder to a forty four yarder. That's true, and I agree. But let's not act like C.J. Stroud had not been absolutely ripping them alive. I I agree with you that I I guess I, I guess I'm just not gonna rip on Ryan Day. As, because this is what got you to the dance, meaning you're in this situation to tie the game against Georgia because of what you've been doing. I I think that when you get in a situation like that, you start asking yourself, well, if I'm here, why am I changing anything up? Now, Here here's the here's the thing. Uh-huh. A 50-yard field goal is a 50-yard. You, you know this and I know this. Should he gotten a little bit closer? Maybe. Sure. Okay, I get it. But let's not act like the kick wasn't even remotely close. Oh yeah. Okay. But it's like a it's a pressure thing though. It's 
he missed that badly because he psyched himself out. That's the only explanation for it. There, there is nothing different from his technique to George's kicker's technique. There, it's the same, same thing. It is one of the few positions in sports that there are no differences in the quality of guys at those programs. Mm-hmm. He psyched himself out. So by getting yourself closer, and this is coming from a, like a former specialist, I've been around enough crazy kickers to know that when you get guys closer, they, their confidence builds up the closer you get. So it's like 50 yards, it's a daunting distance. It's It clearly got into his head. That's where I, like, I'm causing, I, I see the, the cause for concern in the decision-making is that it set him up for failure. He's never had a kick like that that I know of. I just, I don't like it. I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm so hung up on that. There was so much more in this game, but that to me is like, cause that's what, that's what they won the game. They won the freaking game. If it wasn't for that, that missed kick. I guess, I, I mean, I guess I, I just don't, I, I think the kicker screwed up really. I mean, if he would have missed a, a foot away, right or left, I'd been like, you know what? Okay, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Ryan Day should have gone run the ball twice. But since Joe, it's like if he was on Madden and he put the joysticks all the way to the far left. Yeah, his hands. I don't know. I what? Do, but what does Ryan Day do there? Like, I, I just don't understand. You know, I get what you're saying. I understand yeah. it, but I just don't know. Now, what I will say is this. I put more on him throwing the ball in the drive beforehand when they kicked the field or, or, or lined up for a field goal miss, or I think it was a field goal miss, because it was third and two, and C.J. Stroud went back to pass and got sacked, if you remember. Yes. I forget the guy. So that drive, if you're going to ice somebody, that was the time to ice them, not when you're down three and having to get, get a field goal. Because Joe, if we would if if they would have converted that shallow cross at the end of the game and would have gotten closer, Joe, not only would they have had a first down, they would have probably had enough two chances to throw to the end zone. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna rip on Ryan Day on that part. I thought that their game plan was really good. I thought that they had probably Kirby Kirby and, and Georgia did not face a team in a game this year. Where and that's why you saw Stetson Bennett react the way that he did, and all the team they thought they were going to lose. And oh, absolutely. For, absolutely! And for the first time in in this season, they responded through adversity. Joe, there's only one other team in college football's history that's gone 15 and others. 2019 LSU. Georgia has the ability to do it, and I will tell you, <laughs> it, it, it just to me. The way that they answered the bell against – they took the best Ohio State punch and probably the best game that Ohio State's played that I've seen in the last three or four years, and they still won. Can TCU pull it out of that? So as we transition to that game right now, mm-hmm. I, I look, I, I'm not going to come in here and shit on TCU anymore. I just can't see it. I, I just can't but, I just but, can't see it. But, Blake, that's the problem here is that w- – I agree with oh, you. Right. I don't right. I don't see it either. We I promise you when we do the preview episode for that game and we and we talk about we go like more of a deeper dive. I promise you that we're going to have really succinct analysis and we're going to make a lot of really good points that make a ton of sense. 
but none of it's going to matter because what happened yesterday is going to happen in this game. A bunch of crazy you really think chaos. TCU, you really think TCU is going to pull out another rabbit out of their hat? I don't know what to think anymore because every time I try to think <laughs> rationally with them, it's like, where did this come from? They are the most chaotic, perfectly chaotic team in college football and in maybe in the history of the college football playoff, how perfectly chaotic they are. They just they, they got the, the, the pixie dust on them, man. They got the magic. They got this weird unquantifiable juice that they are relying on that is getting them more and more forward into this process. They don't belong. They don't even, they probably would, like you've said this to me a million times in the sec. They're like an eight win team. They in the big 12, they could have been an eight win team with some of the games that they pulled out. They just, it's so hard to explain. It's so hard to explain unless you've been on a team like that, that they just have that juice. They have that weird juice that is keeping them alive. All right. I, had a, I was going to pull a text up, but I'm just going to paraphrase it. I had a front office guy in the NFL tweet me during the game, and he told me this. He said, Max Dugan, literally, if there's ever a definition of a guy saying, fuck it, one of their receivers is out there. F it, we it, ball. <laughs> well, it, it's him and Johnston. He probably was going to get sacked on that Johnston crosser, and he just threw it. He didn't, he, no, all reckless to abandon. He just threw it. That's how you got to beat Georgia. You got, there's got to be a level of, you know what? I'm just going to let him make a play. And if they make a play, so be it. Here's the, here's the only thing that I think that TCU, and again, a lot like the Ohio State game. What's crazy about TCU and Ohio, uh, TCU and Ohio State is what did they both have? They both have two really elite wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Can Max Dugan find Johnston enough to make this a game? Well, counterpoint, can Keely Ringo actually play good defense, which he did not do against Marvin Harrison Jr.? So that's to me like that's the major major matchup. That's the big matchup because as many of the other guys that, that Duggan can find and if they can get the ball going on the ground like they, they did against Michigan – that matchup is going to be really key. Does Ringo bounce back after getting murdered, just destroyed by Mark? What was his final stat line? He was covering him the whole game. I don't um, think there was anyone else. Can we pull? We got it right here. We can take the TCU, the TCU thing out. Um, let's see. Pooh Bear's pulling it up. I'm sure. I hope. I hope he is. He had to have had like 150 something yards. Pooh Bear, can you hear me? <laughs> All right. Um, if we can find that Marvin Harrison stat line, hold on. Uh, let me see. Georgia or Ohio State. He had five catches, 106 yards, 21.2 yards per catch, two touchdowns. Abuka or 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 Abuka had eight catches, 112 yards, and 14 or 14 yards I, per I catch. I wonder who was covering him. I I didn't. Well, they flip-flopped, but let me tell you this. Keely Ringo got exposed and obliterated by both of them. So bad. And Julian Fleming, let's call it what it is. Julian Fleming also exposed Keely Ringo. You know what's funny, Joe, and I told you this, and I'm not – look, just let's just talk through it. I'm not bashing you on this or not. I told you Keely Ringo's dookie trash at times. He plays – he when a game is on the so as an example, yeah. he almost had that interception on Fleming to ice the game. Remember that like the the first pass of the two passes we were just talking about. 
He almost had a pick. If that Keelan Ringo would show up every play, he would be an All-American. The simple fact that that guy doesn't show up until the fourth quarter is why you just can never trust him. But I so he brings one of the worst traits to the table as a corner. It's the it's the lack of focus. Well, lack of focus, but he's also he's like a gambler. He's a really risky decision maker. He bites like he he's very he guesses. That's not what you want in a corner. He's got every trait. And like I talked him up after the Tennessee game, that that crazy pick that he had. He is a, a freaky, twitchy athlete that doesn't have the instincts. And like that's where it's complicated because one game, if he's on and he's feeling himself, he's gonna make those plays. Like he's gonna make he's gonna have a lockdown day. But if he plays the way that he did against Ohio State and he's he's guessing and he's he's getting uh, very risky and, and aggressive in his decisions. It, it, it again, I don't, I have no faith that he's going to have a very good performance against Quentin Johnson if, if he plays that way. If I'm Georgia on the flip side of this, I double him. I make somebody else on that team beat me. But that's, uh, there's Yo, a they, lot of risk with doing that though, because at the same time, you do, you're, you're losing, you're losing extra pressure that you can get on Duggan. You're also then losing from, an opening from, from a safety in a corner, just doubling him. Shade well, you, you have to well, Johnson. I'm saying that you need to have extra deep. You likely need to have extra DBs on the field. I, I don't do agree. That. I don't agree with that. I think you can go do exactly what you're doing. The only thing being different is shading to Johnston, whatever he does. But s- separate from that, you also are opening up. Like we were talking about earlier against Michigan, all the athletes that they have, all the other splash plays that they're able to get from some of their other receivers who like, None of them are big yeah, name guys. Had, not one of them had forty yards receiving against Michigan. That, I don't think there's not a single guy that's going to have like a hundred yard game in replacement of Johnson, which we've seen when Johnson was unavailable that nobody stepped up. But I think there's enough guys that they can sprinkle those catches. Like if there's not enough open attention, that to me is like Quinn Johnson's a good receiver. I just don't know if he's double team worthy. If they weren't going to double team Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't know if they're going to do that. To well, I, I'm not saying to double him. What I'm saying is shade bracket him or, robber, or bracket him or robber him. Do something to the effect of where you got two bodies around him mm-hmm. at any given moment. Not necessarily doubling him, but having two dudes in the vicinity around. You can't play man-to-man single coverage. No, no, but the other thing too, and and I'm I'm not less of a counterpoint, but just more of like a, a like a thought here is, does that then open up Duggan for like you can't spy him? You've got more attention on another player that he's if he can't find Johnston, he we know that he's somebody who's willing to rely on his legs. So like that to me is another thing that comes into the fold here. Does that happen? Is Duggan smart enough to say, hey, if I'm not getting Johnston, I need to just take this thing up the field? I don't know. I, why do I feel like he's going to get broken? In this game. Yeah, the way that things played out against Kansas State has a very um, – I just hope whatever injury he has is healed by then so he can play it at full full capacity. He was not playing full capacity against Michigan. I'm sorry. He he wasn't. Yeah, I thought he was just jacked up, which I, I said to you before the game, that he's kind of had this tendency all year to get – like he did it against Texas. He did, he did it against Kansas State where he was just – he was very clearly – he's an emotional kid, riled up. I don't know what the injury is though. Is it his rib or something like that? They didn't. They didn't disclose. I don't know what that what, injury what's was. Leave on his leg for. You know, like I mean, what are you? What are you I mean, what are you doing? I, Hopefully, I mean, somebody asks him at uh, at Radio Row because that information is important. Oh, I'll ask him. You know what's crazy too? TCU has the best ginger quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> 
the, I, the weird parallel that Dykes made to him and Andy Dalton were, was strange. I think that Duggan's done more for TCU than Andy Dalton did. Without question. So it's a now, weird parallel. I will say, well, no. I was going to say Andy Dalton somewhat put TCU on the map a little bit, going to the Rose Bowl and winning it. But, I mean, you're playing for a national title. You won a Big 12 championship behind the – or, no, no, you didn't win the Big – you were leading to win the Big 12. You got in the playoff, and you, you, you're you going to a national title. So, I, I don't – I agree with you. I agree with you. Okay. So, we'll preview a lot of this game. Yep. Um, Coming up whenever we do our next show. But I, I'm going to lean Georgia, unfortunately. I, I, I just, you know, let's see. But you know what? What would be crazy is, is that I think Georgia would be like the, sec- the third or fourth school or university win back-to-back national titles. It very rarely happened. Isn't it the – it's the fourth one because the th- they kept showing that damn graphic. Yeah, Nebraska, Miami – Every bad bowl oh, game yeah. they cut out. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was Nebraska. It was Ohio State, and then you said Ohio Bama. Was you, or, no, or no, 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 sorry, USC. Miami. It was USC. Yeah, but that USC, that USC, when they said 0304, well, USC didn't win in 03. LSU did. So that graphic was wrong. Yeah, the graphic's wrong. USC did that not. Graphic win in that graphic guy had a rough weekend. The, LSU guy- <laughs> beat Oklahoma in the national title game. Yeah. Okay. And win a national title. I don't. I I don't get that. That did you also see the graphic that ESPN threw up that said Peyton Manning was the nineteen ninety eight national. That champion. guy. Oh man, he got brought into a meeting and probably got laid into for the. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing about those guys, though, man. I mean, you're you're that kid's nineteen years old, twenty years old, maybe. Maybe. Making the graphic, you're saying? Making the graphic. No, the, the, come on. That guy's, it's probably like a 25 year old production. Or you get what that. I'm saying. But he, <laughs> here's the thing for how competitive those jobs are, you need to he know those He was pissing spat- on a Cheerio in the potty to learn how to get potty trained when <laughs> Peyton Manning was, you know, right. at Tennessee. So, yeah, but I know that Peyton, I'm the same age as that. And I know Peyton, I'm younger than that, likely. And I know that Peyton Manning didn't win a national championship. My, I, I'm this is just me being yeah, bitter, not getting hired by them. It's just me being a, a bitter ass because it's so competitive. Like, why hire somebody who doesn't can't research properly? Well, that's true. That's true. Okay, so we do have some bowl games tomorrow. If we want to wrap it up with that, I, and then I want to get a very quick preview into next season. Maybe some key things we'll hit on. LSU Purdue. We talked about this. Tulane and USC. Let me tell you something. I like Tulane. I'm not picking this game because I don't trust teams not from the South. But oh wait, are you gonna are you telling me that I is there is there Louisiana bias for Tulane when they took down Oklahoma? Here comes the fighting Willie Fritzes. I would not have. I did not have on my bingo card uh, Tulane Louisiana bias on the show. (laughs) Actually, hey, I'm rooting for it. Tulane. Actually, I hate Tulane. Really. Yeah, around here. I mean, I play Tulane. I don't like Tulane. Like, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Matt Forte absolutely obliterated de- uh, and obliterated my roommate. You know, did you play against way, Forte, or was that was that? No, it was a year before me. But yeah. he he still obliterated my roommate, though. I mean, uh, Caleb Williams is playing in this game. He 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 said he was playing in this game. I don't feel good for Tulane, man. I think USC is about to just dog walk him. 
see as much as I again we've been doing we try to do this with the with the college football playoff games is that like as much as on paper it makes sense to say yeah they're going to kick the crap out of them because they're the, they're the more talented team but uh, Tulane doesn't really have that many notable opt outs and the key player that was going to hop in the portal Michael Pratt is he's playing back. he's playing in the game so yeah, he's he's playing they have him available. Caleb Williams is without Jordan Addison. I believe Andrew Voorhees, their best offensive lineman, who stinks, by the way, uh, is not playing in this game. And we Yo, saw the offensive line. <laughs> That's my my draft analysis sneaking its way in. But that offensive line had problems against Utah, and they're losing their best guy, and they already have injuries that were, were pulling it down and, and really taking that, that offensive line down. I don't know, man. There could be a total just out of nowhere – you're not really paying attention to it. And then your buddy texts you like, hey, do you see two lanes up by 10 right now on, on USC? I, I, it just has that weird – I have that weird inkling of a sense of, and I'm rooting for it too. Maybe. Look, Willie Fritt – I mean, the crazy thing about Tulane is they took down Kansas State. I don't think USC is – you know, I put USC more in the caliber of a Kansas State at the current moment right? than I, than I do like a – I don't know, like a obviously I can't say TCU anymore, but maybe a Utah, you know, like I, I. So that's my that's my point is that if they beat Kansas State and and now a depleted, depleted USC team, do we think that the this this current roster that is showing up to play Tulane is better than Kansas State? I don't think. No, so. I don't think that they are. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they are at all. Which, by the way, Kansas State again, again. Alabama's worst year. Alabama's worst year is eleven and two. I, I look. I I will. I, I I joke a lot on these shows. Mine and this one. Let me just say this. I despise Alabama. The worst year that I hope my school ever has is eleven and two. <laughs> you're. I mean, you're absolutely right. The way. I mean, Jesus Christ, Joe. Joe here's here's a crazy thing. Yeah. They just freaking dominated them after they went up by 10. When Kansas State went up by 10, Saban, you know, goes cuckoo for Copo. You know, and he starts yelling, and everybody's like, oh, okay, well. And you know what? Will Anderson played two plays. Had four, played four plays. Had four quarterback hurries. Did you see that? Yeah. The stat line, four snaps. Four snaps. Four quarterback hurries. Which is ridiculous. It's Which just, is ridiculous. I really didn't think that game was going to be as lopsided as it turned out. And it's the main thing that they have is that Bryce Young played and that Will Anderson played. Yeah, but, but that Bryce really helped him. killed him, dude. He threw 23 yeah. passes and five touchdowns or four touchdowns. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Have, having him available, like that's like, I don't think Milrow would have put up anywhere near of as good of a performance. I think that the game would have been much either. closer. if it, it could have been a one-score game if Milrow was playing in that game, the way that we've seen him make mistakes throughout the year and the games that he had to play in. It is interesting what Alabama's going to do. You know, I, I think it's interesting that you don't believe the Drake May thing's over with in reference to, you know. Well, watch the spring. The the Jordan Addison was, was supposed to go back to pit. I know it's a little tinfoil hat-ish, but. Not no, it's not. No, it's not. Here's what we know. Okay. Here's what we know. Why is Pete Thamel talking to Drake May about and and here's the crazy thing? Drake May said no, it wasn't five million. He didn't say he didn't get contacted by anybody. He said it wasn't five million. Right. So 
Okay, so four and a half. Oh, okay. So it's four and a half. <laughs> well, they really do trust. I, I have somebody inside Bama's, you know, inner workings. They do really trust Ty Simpson. Let's see what happens uh, there. LSU and Purdue, your ex-head coach, Brian Kelly, tees off against Drew Brees, who's been pretty vocal, who might be calling some plays from but what I understand. Did you see the – there is a very weird – in New Jersey, your home state of New Jersey, weird well, like betting so thing, right? He has an affiliation with a betting company, so there's now this weird conflict of interest that that comes into the game that nobody accounted for, which is so unbelievably stupid. Which further shows me how improperly prepared Purdue is going to be for this game. That nobody bothered to check and say, "Huh, the guy that's going to come in and coach this game is affiliated with sports gambling." And is a, a vocal uh, representative of it. Like, yeah. I, I just, dude, you guys are going to wax them. I, I I can't see, and I know I said this against Texas A&M, you guys were going to wax them, not, knock on, knock yeah, on knock wood, on but wood. this is a bit much more lopsided matchup. Yeah, so l- let's put it like this, okay? I don't understand, and I, I, number one, I think Purdue knows, or knew. I think Purdue's in a, in a situation where, so what Drew has this sponsorship? Okay, let me tell you why. The coach that was at Purdue and the 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 inner workings of college football. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, it fucks a team like Purdue because a coach gets to pick up and leave and go elsewhere, and Purdue is in shambles. Well, you, it, it, it would be one thing if it were like me or you doing it, and we're going to be a volunteer coach, okay? It's another thing when Drew Brees does it. Look, we can say equality and all this. Drew Brees is Drew Brees, mm-hmm. okay? He's going to help out his university. Just shut the fuck up about this stupid shit about how you're so morally hurt that <laughs> Drew Brees has a sponsorship with a betting company, and he's going to help his university playing a bowl game because they need coaches. You know what they're not thinking about? Oh, Drew's got a betting, betting deal. You know what nobody fucking said? What happens to the players that's still there? And Drew stepping up. Drew donated, donated them to go to a five-star restaurant and paid for them to eat at a five-star restaurant in Orlando. Wow. Okay. I didn't know about that. My point exactly. Okay. But Drew's got a betting deal, Joe. Uh, yeah. It, Hear me and hit me up underneath the table with your little hand motions. This is the kind of stuff that pisses me off about college football, if you can't tell. It, it's become such a goofy distraction. And again, nothing that anyone could have anticipated or thought about. Uh, it, you're right. It's meaningless. It is such an uplifting thing like you're talking about to just have him around the program, to have him involved. And heck, I think that he should consider it's not going to happen. Joining Ryan Walters, staff. I, I think he'd be, he wasn't a very good commentator if we're being <laughs> honest. Like I think he would be a, I think he would be a fantastic coach. Like he's a, he was okay in the, in, in the, uh, in the booth. I listened to him enough times doing the Notre Dame games. He was okay. A little biased at times. A little biased towards what? Well, he his whole career, he Notre Dame and Purdue have have a rivalry, and and he very clearly was was not very in favor of Notre Dame calling those Notre Dame games. And when they played Purdue, 
it was really, really blatant, the obvious, the bias that he had. But I think if he was like the quarterback coach, I don't know who if they filled out that staff or not. I think he should consider doing it. That would be fantastic for that program. He makes too much money. He may he makes too much money. You're talking about because of the sponsorships and the and outside. Sponsors, yeah. He, yeah, he. I mean, he makes too much money. He, I, that's, that I sucks that it's that's his motivation. But you're absolutely right. That, that I mean, that are you going to turn out fifty million? No, but he made he made so much. Joe, money he in makes his thirty million dollars from walk-ons a year. Yeah, but he'd have to if, walk away. He'd have to walk away from it if. I know that like this is like such so arbitrary and everyone's gonna be like shut the hell up you're you're wrong and like you can even tell me shut the hell up you're wrong but like if I made all that money having ma- maximum quarterback contract money I think I'd want to do something a little more meaningful that I'm inspired by like if shut I'm not working yeah, come on if I, the, yeah it, shut the hell up I would shut be more up. excited about coaching than right. than just taking sponsorship okay. money come on all right shut the hell up <laughs> when I you try. make that kind of money. Have you seen his family? Have you seen his wife? Yes, yes. Okay. Have you seen his? I guarantee you, if he still has a mortgage, his mortgage every month is twelve thousand dollars a month. Probably. No, I ain't no probably. Okay. That is anyway. All right. To the LSU people out there, I we will do a post game show tomorrow on AYS. I I let me tell you something. I've been really quiet behind this about a lot of people trashing Jane Daniels. But, Joe, looking into the preview of 2023 before we get out of here. Yep. LSU and Florida State, the week one matchup is the biggest week one matchup in, in the country next season. They get Finn Charles Cypress, the, D, the lead DB from Virginia today. They got Brayden Fisk. LSU gets Denver Harris and Aaron Anderson. Joe, it's the best week one matchup, but LSU's got to get to 10 wins. Brian Kelly needs to get to 10 wins. Did you know? Did you know that there's only two coaches in the last seven years or six years that have 10 win seasons in the last six, like 10 win seasons yeah. every single year, last six years? The two coaches, Nick Saban and Brian Kelly. I knew that was coming. So, hey, was Marcus Freeman? Did Marcus oh, Freeman start? Wait, wait, I thought we were talking about a look ahead and you're just you're taking shots at me. We made it an hour and seven minutes without you taking a, a mark. Okay, you're right. Shot. You're right. You're right. Hey, they defeated the Cox, man. We, we, we didn't spend what any time on that. What you don't need to come on this show and say yes. is that you defeated a cock. They handled him well. They they, they handled him well. That's I, the first, no, I, I lied. I was wrong. Handling the Cox is the number one thing that you should not be coming on the uh, show and talking about. I think your <laughs> your listening audience right. is different than mine, but uh, yes. Um, I think LSU rolls tomorrow. I really do. Yeah, I do I too. I'm, 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 I'm rooting for you guys. Uh, you guys no, got to no, I'm rooting not. for you. I, I, if I wasn't you're rooting doing, for me, but not Brian Kelly. It, I get it. Yes. If I wasn't doing the show with you and I hadn't done it with you all season, I would not. I was rooting for LSU when you guys played Alabama. I've been rooting for you guys every week. Except for when you played Texas A&M. I was kind of rooting for you. <laughs> Just a little bit. We are Marshall. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, <laughs> really, really quickly, we got to get out of here. Quick yep. preview into next season. Some of the teams you're looking out for. Let me tell you this. My number, well, my first team I'll go to is Tennessee. What they showed me against Clemson with Joe Milton, I think that they could be something serious next year. If Joe, because look, Joe Milton's got the big, biggest arm in the country. It's not close. If he can work on his accuracy, teams are in trouble. Teams are in serious trouble. 
Um, number two, I'm not, I'm going to I'm going to take Florida State. I think Florida mm-hmm. State's in an entry. I think they can win the ACC next year. I think they could be a playoff team, even though they face off against LSU in Week One. I'll take LSU, and then just the chalk in the SEC, and then I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw out a team to you out west. That I think is a team to watch. Oregon. So I was just about to say Oregon. I think not enough attention has been brought to them with the way that they cleaned up on signing day and then also in the portal. They have probably one of the most prolific portal halls that no one's talking about. Like the, the fact that they got a Johnny Cornelius, former roadie Ram, best tackle in the, in the portal, and Justin Jacobs, who is a super talented linebacker from Iowa, and that's just two guys. They got so many good players. I totally agree with that. I think Oregon is going to be in a much more serious conversation with Bo Nix returning as a, a you know the likely favorite to win the Pac-12. And I don't see a reason why that they can't be in the conversation as one of the final four teams. They're going to get picked across the board. I think an underrated one, and I feel like such an ass and such a hack for picking them, but Miami kind of did have a pretty good recruiting cycle. And they did do a good job of cycling out the previous coaching staff's guys and bringing in guys for Mario Cristobal. I am wary of having a rapid turnaround from the turmoil and mess that they were this past year. But I think if there was an unexpected team, Miami makes sense, but it is an ongoing bit every single year that everyone brings up Miami and then they underwhelm us. So I say that with caution, but in as much as I, I don't want to admit it, they did have a very good, uh, signing day transfer portal period. No, you disagree. I disagree with Miami here. Here's why. Is it because of crystal ball? Yep. Mm. I don't disagree with that. I, I, I think that he is an elite recruiter and I mean that an elite recruiter buddy. I mean, I mean like I, I will admit I have, somebody who was uh, adjacent to the football program at Oregon and worked mm-hmm. very closely with him in the media department. And I heard uh, some, he, he is very difficult to work with from my understanding. Yeah. He, look, I, I've heard the same, you know, he's an offensive line guy. You know, a lot of the guys that, like Cody Kennedy is a guy that I play with at Southeastern. He's the Arkansas O-line coach. O linemen are different human beings. We stick together. We we keep a very close knit kind of group. I will tell you this: I know somebody who played for him at Oregon along the offensive line, and the offensive line coach or, or assistant coaches. One of them, he had four in four years. He had four different assistant O line coach, not O line coaches, assistant O line coaches. They said that he was the biggest asshole that they'd ever worked for. We'll see. We'll see. You better find a quarterback. That's all I got to tell you. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You know, I'll say. I'll tell you this. They put Van Dyke in such bad situations and scenarios last last year. Joe, they they were running like backside dig routes, twenty five yard dig routes, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's he's never been a guy who's had the arm strength to complete those throws. Like he's no, you know who he is. He's a great value burrow in a, in, a, in, a, in a sense. He's not Joe. They're built the same, the same height, same weight. Mm-hmm. Moderate arm strength is what you would say that he has. Needs more touch. But they, they did not help him at all. How do you go from one year for him having a really good year to having such a horrible year this year? 
Well, why is that? I think part of that was there wasn't enough context behind the hype for Tyler Van Dyke. So like I watched his film and I did my eval, my summer eval on him for the 2023 draft because he was a name that was brought up and like, I didn't like anything about him. His arm strength was not as not that good. And his decision-making was really questionable. So I think that he benefited from a couple good statistical games and a lot of dropped potential picks and lucky throws. So now he get transitions and he's got to be the full-time starter for the whole year. And those issues, because they had they had to rely too much on him, and he's just not that guy. He's not that guy that's going to ascend and take them a step. You're not further. that guy, pal. You're not that guy. <laughs> but I, I didn't have faith in Van Dyke, and I just think that they're. It's very easy to get excited about a guy who puts up good stats, but then once you kind of dig deep on the film and you watch him play, he was exposed for what those those deficiencies. Probably, were. probably. Just like Miami I, is is going to get, will probably get exposed for the deficiencies that they have. Jimbo Fisher on the hot seat. As we last question, Jimbo Harrison on the hot seat. They got their asses kicked in recruiting this year. They had a they lost all the big dudes that they had committed at the beginning of the cycle went elsewhere. I I don't I I absolutely believe that this is the the beginning of the end for for Jimbo and he's gonna sit on his nice golden throne once he gets his, his payout check. He's got a ranch, and I'm not talking about Great Valley. <laughs> okay, but that kind of money, man, he can buy whatever he wants. Can. And he's got an $80 million buyout. $80 million. You know what I'd do in $80 million? I would shit Not gold. Right? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. You know what i do? I would tank to get the money. I mean, he's probably doing that. I, I No, I can't. We can't. We can't. I don't want to go down that. No, that. here's the thing, though. Very quick. Go hire an offensive coordinator. If you, if you Look, you can make fun of Bobby Petrino all you want to. It's a good offensive mind. And they should he have hired him. Who did they hire? I, I forget I don't who they even hired, know. but it wasn't, it wasn't even it they wasn't said a good that If I'm not mistaken, now I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know this. So go and check it. Go beat, be, uh, you know, bean count me. Somebody told me that they're waiting for Riley at, at TCU. I wouldn't hate that. Actually, I would really. No, I, think that I mean, would be, I would be a great hire. I think it's a bad like going, decision. That's like going from an elementary book that you color in, try to color inside the lines to advanced calculus from how well, good the, the offenses are. Right, and the the for Garrett Riley, that's a terrible move to jump ship and hop onto a coaching staff. To now he's getting paid two to three million because you know what about Garrett Riley? At the yeah. end of the day, he's always got a backup plan. He always can have his brother hire him as the OC. That is true, and I'm sure that he wants to develop his own legacy. But the the, the other th- my my way of looking at this is you jump ship, you hop onto another coaching staff, and it gets fired, and there's all this extra pressure on you that you're the save you're the savior. And if they if he doesn't save them, that's gonna it could no I don't, his- I don't I really don't I really don't think that would be the case. And here's why: because they know how stubborn Jimbo is. I would hope so. I, I would hope that it. No, wouldn't. they do. They I, I do. think if he's going to jump, he needs to go somewhere that that is in a much better situation. It needs to be like a like I don't know off the top of my head, but he needs to go somewhere that's not could be fired in in four months. Interesting. I, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. There's some interesting thoughts about um, Tommy Reese. They're keeping him. Which I are you sure? 
I believe that they that he is returning. And the as we do on a weekly basis, the Tommy Reese defenders are out and loud. Uh, and I I do believe that he is coming back. He didn't have a quarterback. Number one. No, but he also he doesn't have a quarterback, Joe. He doesn't. That's he, not on him. It, you're correct. However, he calls one of the most predictable offenses. I, I the game I went to the UNLV game. I correctly predicted like four straight plays. And then I was like, I'm not going to do this all day. This is going to get really boring. But it, he has the same rhythm of play calling on every single drive. And that's what led to them get, getting their butts kicked by better coaching staffs. USC, they almost got beat by South Carolina because they were getting out coached at times. I just, I don't have a lot of faith. They are getting Sam Hartman though. If he can't succeed with Sam Hartman, then, then he's he's out the door. Seeing here, I thought it was Brian Kelly the reason y'all's offense stopped. Uh, okay. <laughs> Joe, it's been a fantastic episode, too. Yes, sir. I don't know when we're going live again, but I'm sure it'll be soon. Till then, we'll be doing a preview show. Later, dudes.